There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another installment of History Hack. Josh Proven's back with us today from Historyland. Hey, Josh. Hi, Alex. And we're going to go basically on a mission to butcher the Polynesian language, aren't we? That is what we are doing. Pretty like, much. Yes, like the like the dirty colonialists we are. Yes. We're just going to um, go out there and we're going to make a mess. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone can obviously storm in and call us every name under the sun. Because Absolutely. we are here with good intentions, aren't we? Because we're going to we talk are. about the kings and queens of Hawaii. Yes, we are. Excited about it. It's brilliant. So, obviously, Hawaii doesn't become a state to what, the 40s, 50s? 50s, I uh, Yeah, I think, yeah. It's too good goes territory and then really late on becomes a state so we're talking about between sort of 1780 and about 1890 aren't we roughly yeah that's that's the that's the sphere okay so start with your first king well the first king is uh, uh also one of the most important kings if not the most important king and that's uh kamehameha the great or uh kamehameha the first what does that name mean it means, um, as far as I've been able to figure out, it means the lonely one. He may have had a name and a diff- different names before that, mm. but the name that he came to power with, Kamehameha, is the lonely one. Um, and yeah, it sets him apart. And he was a guy who was set apart from other people. He was a very uh, larger than life figure. He. I mean, it, in, in both his, it, the scale of his achievements and himself personally, it's actually quite fitting, even though at first glance, like you say, it's an odd name to maybe for a king. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is quite epic, isn't he? he oh, yes. He's an all-rounder. He achieves great things. So give everyone a rundown. Why is he so great? What did he do for Hawaii? Well, in a great part... Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that Hawaii, well, it certainly wouldn't have had the same history that it has had without him. It may not have existed as the entity of Hawaii without him. And we probably wouldn't be talking about the kings and queens of a place called Hawaii without him. He unified all of the, I believe there are eight islands in the Hawaiian chain. He founded the Hawaiian monarchy he was was uh he was he was just so many things he was a so he was a great general he was a great leader he was a politician of uh great uh i'm using the word great a lot and that maybe that explains why he got called the great but um he was he was uh i don't know how, what the right word is 
people, because he was a conqueror as well. He was also mm. a conqueror. Uh, he fought. He had to unify the islands by fighting to to conquer them, pretty much. And he did this from seventeen, but seventeen eighty one to right down to eighteen ten. Uh, so you know, contemporary to the Napoleonic Wars and the American end of the American Revolution, this guy, you know, he he was he was a successful conqueror. I'm not sure if he was if he was the great to the people he conquered on the other islands, but because he won, he became not only a conqueror but a peacemaker, and wars became almost immediately less frequent and then just died out altogether between people peoples of Hawaii. He uh, he instituted uh, new laws. He laid the groundwork for Hawaiian sovereignty, basically. I mean, you could go. On, you could do an entire episode of Kamehameha. Yeah, because he's not just the arts <laughs> as well, isn't there? Uh huh. Yeah. One of the most interesting things about him was his his understand because he did it all as well with almost in almost pure isolation. You know, all the a, a lot of a lot of other places in the world. Um, you know, got interfered with, like we're joking about at the beginning. Mm. But this was pretty much his show. You know, the amount of Europeans in the Pacific, you could kind of count on, count, count on the count on both hands. Um, and he he had to, and so this happened in a in a, in a Pacific bubble. What he was very good at was is utilizing foreign uh, technology. Mm. Um, so, but instead of actually going out and saying to different nations who just weren't any, uh, uh, just weren't close enough for him to, to, to approach, because, you know, the USA wasn't really around yet and Britain didn't have a great presence in the Pacific and the Russians were just about there, but there was no one around except Polynesians. And he, he kind of, uh, he kind of made shipwrecked people and captured sailors, his advisors and things like that. And they tra- they helped to train his army and things like that, and helped to run guns to to help him defeat the kings of um, Maui, Kauai, and uh, uh, Molokai. By 1810, he was the undisputed king of the Hawaiian chain, and he the, re- the Hawaiian flag, I believe, is is his doing. He was he he did, went out of his way to then try and make sure that he that Hawaiian sovereignty remained sovereign and when uh, we because... talk about him commanding an army as well i mean it's mm-hmm. an army of twenty-five thousand, isn't it and they are armed with cannons and muskets it's a modern army it is it is I'm, i don't know how this man does not have a movie or some sort of <laughs> hbo series i'm absolutely yeah. astounded i mean how can it, it, it happens in hawaii for starters there's a blinking war with over with hundreds of thousands of people in in, in hawaii and that the middle of the Pacific, thing. exactly. Uh, but yeah, he has an army that rivals an arm like the size of the army of the United States uh, in the American Revolution, which of course was almost immediately disbanded and uh, down to like three thousand men or something like that. So he actually controlled the largest body of fighting troops between you know Philadelphia and Tokyo, basically at one point. And yeah, this was a, by the, by the time he, 
by the time he actually conquered the islands, this was a this was a streamlined killing machine. This thing he had special divisions and brigades in it. I'm using that term kind of just as just loosely there, but uh, he had special attack squads to go in and mess up the enemy lines. And he he has I've seen stuff that suggests that he based. Uh, a, a body of his troops on like a Macedonian phalanx, and so they were they were like pikemen, and also musketeers, and he had artillery, yeah, which he which he got from some of his his shady European friends, uh, who he made chiefs for the for uh, getting him the guns, and uh, he even he even had he was building uh, like European style ships at one point and uh, mounting cannons on his war canoes, so he had a fleet as well. So yeah, this guy. This was an incredibly powerful army, and with him at the head and his generals, uh, it was. It had some hard fighting to do, epic fighting, you might call it. Again, I don't know how this guy is not in popular media more. Mm. But uh, he, it, it was it. It it conquered all before us. He did what Napoleon could not do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did. He meet Captain Cook, or was he in the room? He was in the same room at least as Captain Cook at one point, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was in the room where it happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, there's like a discrepancy, isn't it? Was it him that met him or was he present when somebody else met him? Yeah, I think that is a discrepancy that crops up here and there. He was, uh, he was in the room. He was one of the... He, he's, this is where he gets the right to rule from, if this little, this little bit is, because he's the nephew of uh, a, a high chief of Hawaii, which is uh, which in Hawaiian, I believe, is the Ali'i Nui, uh, called Kalani Apu'u. And Kalani Apu'u is the guy that Captain Cook meets in 1779. Mm-hmm. But one of the officers says that he met a guy, massive guy, because Kamehameha was seven feet tall, and uh, personally very strong, very quiet, very um, capable warrior, just personally. Uh, I think you don't have to say a lot if you're seven foot tall and armed (laughs) with cannons and muskets. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you don't really need to, yeah, you let the the other things do the speaking for you. But yeah, uh, he he seems to have met Captain Cook and he certainly met some of his officers and he was on the ship. Um, I think it's been implied that he might have been in at the killing of Captain Cook, but I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not, or whether it was just like he he was a famous guy. They know he met Captain Cook once. Maybe he killed him. I don't know. It probably that's probably legend. So, what is manor? Okay, mana? well that yeah, <laughs> um, uh, manor is is a concept that's very difficult. I think for people who. Uh, it, it's, it's a very deep concept. We'll it's say. a spiritual thing, isn't it? Yes, like, it is. Well. So in talking about it, it's highly possible that we're going to, to butcher the meaning of it. But in simple terms, it's an aura of power. Um, it is when the All Blacks do the haka. Yes. Right? That creates mana. That feeling you get that, that is projected out from them, sort of thing. It's the chills down your spine. That's them creating a mana a sense of power, of, of inner strength, right? And the Ali'i, who are the nobles of Hawaii, believed in this sort of creation and collection of mana. So by the way you lived your life, 
not just by you know doing a dance, a war dance, and making people scared, by living your life, by doing noble things, by ruling well, by and creating prestige, you were creating this aura of of mana, um, which was a very spiritual thing, and it was a it was it was taken ridiculously seriously. Um, mm-hmm. It was a matter of life or death. If you if you somehow impugned someone, then, then you were you were hurting not just them; you were hurting their, their mana. Isn't that this is be... like if you cast a shadow on them? Well, yes, that's another thing as well. There are a great amount of laws in uh, ancient Hawaii handed down to the time of Kamehameha, which meant things like you went for the ali'i who had to be set apart because they were very special uh, people, you know, the nobles in Hawaii was considered um, a terrible thing to look one in the eye if you were not yourself of a, of a similar rank. And if you even cast your shadow on them, it was a very, very dangerous thing to happen. Kamehameha is basically, it's said, even in his lifetime, isn't it, that mm. he holds extraordinary manner. Yes, yes. That absolutely. this inner strength and power just radiates from mm-hmm. him. Uh, but he's not, he's not an asshole about it, is he? Because does he not institute something called the law of the splintered paddle? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. What is that? He, the Law of the Splintered Paddle uh, goes back to uh, a, very, uh, a rather embarrassing incident for Kamehameha, where he, he's, in a, he's in one of those times during the wars of unification, as they're called, where he's not doing too well and he has to retreat into a remote part of the island. And he's out one day chasing some raiders, I think, and they, they set up on a beach and he chases them out and he gets his foot stuck in um, um, a strata of rock. And one of the guys who was running away from him turns around, he's holding his paddle, and he whacks him over the head with it, and then runs away. Kamehameha never forgot this feeling of helplessness uh, when he couldn't defend himself. And so he instituted the law of the splintered paddle, which is something that, uh, at a very, in a very broad sense, because I would, it, it's actually kind of, a, as with all laws, there's quite a lot of levels to it and things mm-hmm. like that, but um, is uh, designed to protect people, uh, people who cannot defend themselves um, and cannot take care of themselves um, from people who would be able to do them harm. I think um, he sounds exceptional, but Mm. he does die. And when Mm -hmm. he does die, as with, this is quite common throughout history, isn't it? When someone of this magnitude dies, there's a huge vacuum of power mm. where he was mm. and that creates problems for Hawaii doesn't it it does it does very interesting problems as well because i mean it uh, like you say it's uh, it's just so true throughout history if, when you get a guy like kamehameha um it's it's in hawaiian circles and i think even in world circles to be honest this guy he's like up there with the with the other greats uh, rulers and when I, when I, uh, and that vacuum is a very dangerous thing for any new monarchy any new state so what you get is his son kamehameha the second uh is technically the guy who's going to take over kamehameha has several wives he actually has quite a lot of wives actually but his favorite wife who we have uh, been talking about how to pronounce her name and i believe it's pronounced uh Kamanamu or something like that. I think we were going to go with Ka, Kaumanu, weren't we? Kamanu. Kamanu or something like that. It's our best effort. 
Yes, we're very sorry. We're very we really sorry. are, but we love Hawaiian <laughs> history and that's why we're going to persevere with this. Yes, so we are. And yeah, so this, and she, how, she is Kamehameha's favourite wife. And she feels that Kamehameha II, is not her son, she, uh, it's someone else's son. Mm-hmm. Um, she feels that she would like to stay in power. She feels, I mean, probably wisely, that Kamehameha II is kind of an untested guy. Yeah. And at least she knows what's going on. And she also is a, a woman who wants to see some changes in Hawaii, in yeah, society. Let's, let's do a tangent because this will help make more sense of it. Religion yeah. in Hawaii and what Kapu is. Mm-hmm. She has a serious problem with this, doesn't she? And, and mm-hmm. I quite understand her point. Yes. In, in, a, in a nutshell, and podcasts are nutshell things, um, the Hawaiian religion, where, where, where it has many admirable, um, the ancient Hawaiian religion, where it has, very, a very, has a lot of admirable qualities, where respecting of the, of the land and things like that, and spiritual, uh, and spiritual elements that a lot of people might find very attractive. There's no doubt about it that um, it was somewhat discriminatory, uh, to say the least, uh, especially towards women. Uh, and the most dramatic uh, instances of it uh, of of it are contained in these things called kapu, which are uh, again, simplistically speaking, a kapu is like a taboo. It's it's a place you cannot go. Uh, and a thing you cannot touch and a place that is sacred and uh, these kapu or kapu laws uh, were very restrictive towards women even noble women despite the fact that women uh, almost certainly fought in Kamehameha's army they would not be allowed to eat with the men they would not they wouldn't be able to eat um bananas like and certain foods uh, those are just two of the most dramatic examples of the laws that that people had to put up with as someone believe... who hates bananas i'm just i'm not <laughs> comment they make me gag uh-huh. this, this well, thing is particularly not nice to women is it kapu yes it it absolutely uh it absolutely was something that that made women's lives unnecessarily difficult or just, 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 if, if you're a noble, of course, you had certain advantages that might offset it, but it was, it was, it was excellent. It was, it was to a degree. And it was, and by this time, it's obvious that pe- even people in Hawaii were finding it, the nobles, I should say, because the, 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 uh, the ordinary people of Hawaii wouldn't have been able to affect any change on this system. So it had to be a noble like Kamehameha's wife um, to change, to, to even try and think of changing it. Uh, and she did because she felt that I, I want to be in on running the country. And I, if I'm going to be in on running the country, I need to get rid of, I need to break Kapu. Mm-hmm. And um, so she got together with some, other ladies of uh, royal birth, uh, such as Kamehameha II's mother, um, who I believe is called Kyopu Alani, and, uh, 
and another and a couple of other people uh, uh like a high a high chiefess as her, as she's often called uh, Kapiolan and uh quite a few other royal women and they pretty much I, if I remember the story correctly, it is that Kamehameha II comes back to Hawaii from another island and he's going to take the throne. And they basically all ambush him uh, at, at, with a luau. And they take him back to where they're going to eat and basically come and eat with us. And he does eat with them. And that essentially breaks the traditional kapu that women cannot eat with men. So that's the first strike against the old religion. And the leading lady, Kam, uh, Kahumanu, uh, becomes a sort of regent called the Kohina Nui, as she, as she wanted. And she kind of rules Hawaii uh, alongside uh, Kamehameha II as a result. Yeah, so unsurprisingly, then, Kamehameha, Hameha, one of the the second, one of the features of his reign is to bring in Christianity in Hawaii, isn't it? It does happen parallel to his life. I don't think he had very much to do with it because he actually mm-hmm. went. To, he would travel to Britain and sadly died there of the measles with his wife. Yeah. Um, but yes, the eighteen twenties is when Christianity comes into Hawaii, and that brings up uh, a lady we just mentioned, mm-hmm. a woman called Kapiolani. I think um, that you've used the phrase fighting for the soul of Hawaii for this period. Um, The Hawaiian people don't necessarily, of course, react well, do they, to this concept of Christianity? They don't particularly know. No, not at first. But on the other hand, what's interesting about this sort of fight for the soul of Hawaii is that Christianity is actually a little late to the ballgame, to use an American phrase. Because this happens in 1819, immediately after Kamehameha I dies, almost. And that vacuum of power creates all this mess and power plays between the members of his household. The first missionaries are a year away still. Christianity, though would be known as a concept due to his mercenaries and things like that, isn't something that they're particularly worried about. And it's not being pushed. What happens here is very much a case of the royal women saying we really don't like these kapu laws that are that are being so unfair to us and we won't get rid of them uh however traditionalists said this is heresy and we're going to overthrow you and there's a short war uh, in 1819 where a bunch of traditionalists go against the royalist faction and they get defeated which again is another blow against the old religion christianity then then once it's it's pretty much suppressed, once the uh, traditionalists suppressed, and Hawaii has no, it's a kind of reeling, and it's a state of we don't actually have a formed kind of state religion anymore, in a way. Then the missionaries arrive, and of course the doors open to to new ideas. Now I mentioned this this woman called Kapiolani, and she is a distant relate. She's a, she's a, a removed relation to Kamehameha through a different chief. And she she studies at a missionary school in about 1821 or something like that, because she's interested in what they have to say. And she decides that compared to the Kapu system, Christianity offers a certain liberation almost 
uh, in terms of religion and that she can get on board with it. And uh, she, she becomes a very, very vocal proponent of it in the island. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk a little bit about the character of monarchy in the middle of the 19th century. What was it like? It's a constitutional monarchy, isn't it? It's what it becomes. Mm -hmm. It's a very modern monarchy. Yes. One of the interesting things about the Hawaiian monarchy is it's it's very adaptable. And it adapts itself as much as possible to try and fit in with the... With the with the royalist club around the world, and uh, in eighteen forty, under the during the reign of Kamehameha III, it becomes a constitutional monarchy, uh, which institutionalizes uh, certainly Christian values within the nation. This is the start of it, uh, building a reputation of try, of trying to show the rest of the monarchs of the world that. This monarchy is one that you can recognize as a monarch. It's like uh, that brotherhood of monarchies, isn't it? It's like, yes. hey, look, we are modern, we are forward thinking, we are not some backwater in the middle of the Pacific that doesn't know how to behave. We're one of you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the reason that we mentioned before, Kamehameha the, the second went out to Britain and caused a, a, quite a splash was to try and meet King George IV. Uh, and for the rest of the existence of the Hawaiian monarchy, they very much play to the to the tune of what is what they what they believe to be uh, the the what's the word the tenements is it of 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 what a monarchy should be. So they be there and they actually then they succeed. They succeed very well, especially um, uh, in the middle of the 19th century. Like you say, its character is a is a constitutional monarchy. Um, there is a there is a clause written into the constitution that if uh, the main branch dies out, the, um, the 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 newly embodied uh, legislature. Uh, built up, made of two houses of, of nobles and representatives, will elect the next king from the available bloodlines. And while at the same time, 
it required it would have requ- it would have required a very strong royalist faction to have maintained the monarchy all the way through to the present day, which unfortunately didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It was a good model, and to be honest with you, I I think the Hawaiian monarchy was for its when it was when it was good when things were going well was a very successful one. So tell us about Kamehameha the Fourth. Right, he's an interesting guy. Kamehameha the Fourth was considered by a lot of his people to be sort of kind of the last last of the great Hawaiian, truly Hawaiian monarchs. He is very famous, popularly speaking, uh, for doing his best to encourage uh, healthcare in Hawaii. We can't, uh, that, that means that uh, one has to bring up the fact that one of the, one of the big important factors of this period of time is the dramatic depopulation of the native Hawaiian um, people mm-hmm. uh, who from hundreds of thousands in Kamehameha the first time by this time had dropped to around 60,000 due to diseases brought in by the, the wealth of traders and uh, foreigners who had uh, come into the country. And so he thought he wanted to do something about this and he, he wanted to, to create a healthcare system and for some reason the legislature wasn't too keen on the idea of spending money in that sector. And so he and his wife Emma created what is now known as Queen's Hospital in, in Honolulu, it's a, which, is a very, uh, which is now a state-of-the-art hospital. Um, and they're, so they're quite famous for trying to do good works. But there's another side to Kamehameha IV, and that is a, a jealous side. Uh, he had a very beautiful wife. Queen Emma. He himself was a, was a very handsome man, uh, but he was very jealous of him. And this didn't lead down a particularly healthy road um, because he was so jealous of her. He decided that this courtier was having an affair with his wife, right? So, yeah. paranoia is always an attractive trait in a husband. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. it just? <laughs> but um, yeah, and then it's probably even worse if your husband is the king. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was the king and I thought my wife was having an affair with somebody, I would probably find some subtle way of getting rid of them to like some other place, you know, send them, send send them, them somewhere of... cold and horrible. Yeah. Send them, send them around the world. I need you to go and see the Russians in Siberia yeah. me, or something like that. But I want I a map my... of Siberia, incredibly <laughs> yeah. detailed. Go and map Siberia, would you? <laughs> Kamehameha the fourth drank too much one night got into a boat because he was on a yacht when this happened, went back uh, onto the mainland uh, with the servants, packed a gun, uh, and um, shot him. Oh, classy. Yeah, yeah, and the poor guy died. He lingered on enough for the king to realise that he had been wrong, that there was no affair, and apologised profusely for it, and then the guy died. No. So originally when he wanted the gun, apparently, he sent he said to a servant, go get me a gun. And the servant went, no, you're drunk. So he beat <laughs> yeah. him up and had him sent to prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, the, this, is a great, this is a great character stain on this man. There is no doubt about it. There's even, <laughs> there's, there's, there's even, there's, I've even, I even read recently stuff about him possibly beating his wife over this. Uh, so yeah, not, not the best 
uh, sort of recommendation of, of, of the king in this. In yes. <laughs> By the time we get to Kamehameha V, the mm-hmm. sovereignty of Hawaii is in decline, isn't it? Yes, it is. And this is to do with trade, basically. The, the trade of the Hawaiian Islands had originally been built on sandalwood, which was a very uh, lucrative um, uh, good uh, sort of thing to trade. And, um, but by, this, by, by like the middle of the 19th century, the sandalwood crop was pretty much so depleted that you couldn't make money off it anymore. And so they, they needed sugar because sugar, sugar grows well in Hawaii, but they needed to import sugar to grow it. And this uh, spi- created a spiraling tornado or whirlpool of deals with the United States. Who, of course, and in it, the whole of the period we've been discussing, has been getting bigger and more powerful. Oh, yes. They're at San Francisco now. Big port in San Francisco. And like we were saying at the beginning, one of the reasons Hawaii was able to establish itself so strongly was because there was just no one around to mess with them. Yeah. And now... Now we have the Americans at the doorstep and even the Russians are pretty close by as well. Uh, there's a, I mean, there was a period as well that where people were building forts in Hawaii, like the Russians had a fort and the Americans had a fort. But now, now uh, they're in San Francisco and because of the fact that uh, so much American interest is being piled into Hawaii due to the introduction of the sugar crops. Uh, you get what you get the sugar barons with them, American sugar barons coming over, and uh, a lot of them get into government positions as well. And it's just not very healthy for the country. Kamehameha the fifth. He, I, he, I believe he he institutes another constitution, an updated constitution, to try and kind of uh, make things a bit more flexible for him to control uh, and his government to control the new direction the country is going in. But the inescapable fact, uh, which if you read the letters of Mark Twain, which um, date from 1866 when he went out as reporting, you'll find pretty quickly that there is so much money and so much potential in the Hawaiian trade. America of the time, which was a pretty greedy so-and-so, was almost certainly going to try and extend its influence there because this, uh, the Pacific is opening up. Uh, they have, uh, and, and they need places in the Pacific to, to enhance that trade. We come to the end of the line of Hawaiian mm-hmm. monarchs with King... Kalakaua. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with that. Yep, I think that's that's good. King Kalakaua is an interesting guy as well. He's not. He's not. He's a much nicer guy than Kamehameha the Fourth. And frankly, I'm just glad we've changed names because now I'm not so confused. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, I mean, if if we were to be really specific, each of the Kamehamehas has a like a first name, which sometimes yeah. they're referred to, but that could be just equally as confusing. <laughs> but yeah, well, we've got to King Kalakaua, um, and he, he is one of the elected kings that uh, I talked about uh, a little while ago, because the line of Kamehameha dies out with uh, Kamehameha the fifth, I believe. They have to elect... Uh, from a different branch who are related to the guy to a, like a, to a relative of the, of the first Kamehameha. And originally they chose a guy called Luna Liho, 
Uh, he died after a year, and then this guy got it. This guy is called David Kalakawa. He was a, he was a very interesting guy. He's known in some circles. I've heard it said that he's that it was nicknamed the Merry Monarch of Hawaii. If you see photographs of him, he's he's a very regal gentleman. He's very he's he's very um, uh, he's kind of a pleasant looking guy, <laughs> fun loving guy. He, in many ways, he was well suited to be being a king. He had a, quite a good deal of experience working in the Hawaiian legislature. Uh, I believe even Mark Twain said that he, you know, if he became king, it wouldn't be too bad a thing because he kind of fits the bill. But he was extravagant, as the title Merry Monarch would suggest. And he had a bit of a weakness for gambling and for partying. Of course, he was also... Weakness? Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 yeah. He liked to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and he, um, he also, unfortunately, happened to inherit the throne at a time where now American businessmen were pretty much in a great deal of uh, governmental power. And they were able pretty much make him a kind of a figurehead due to what they call the Bayonet Constitution of 1888, where a mad bunch of... I mean, right, so Hawaii does not really have a standing army anymore. It has a bunch of militia units, and one of them is pretty much all white unit in Honolulu Honolulu called the Honolulu Rifles. And this unit is used by a bunch of businessmen to kind of muscle Kalakaua into signing this treaty uh, this is new constitution, which pretty much allows them to gain a great amount of influence in Hawaii, political influence in Hawaii, and kind of reduces him to a figurehead. They tried to actually oust him and give it to his sister, Lilio Kalani, but she said no, because she didn't want to be a, um, a figurehead. And so poor old David Kalakaua is pretty much left to travel the world because uh, he, he, he travels to Britain and to many of the courts of Europe. And what he does do is he does try to, he's, he's the last great sort of guy who's trying to raise the Hawaiian monarchy into a recognizable international monarchy that other monarchs would like to be allies with or defend. He builds the you know, Iolani Palace in, I believe, 1883. And he... Um, he has a lot of parties there, very long parties. Some of them can last up to two weeks. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. If you got to be his friend, despite what Robert Louis Stevenson said, because Robert Louis Stevenson, like Mark Twain, had a bit of a sarcastic tongue on him. You know, he, but he liked, basically that he just liked to drink too much. If you got to be his friend, I think you would have been for a pretty good time, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson said that he was kind of dreading going to a party once because he was just going to, he wouldn't be able to take all the drinking and was obviously going to die. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he did his best, but the political situation in Hawaii was pretty much only going to be retrieved by a guy of the stamp of Kamehameha I. Yeah. And David Kadakawa was a good time monarch. He was a very, uh, what, 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 one of the things that is interesting about him is he would have probably made a very good British monarch. He was very much like Queen Victoria's son, uh, Edward, <laughs> in a way, because mm-hmm. he had part, he had, he just didn't have a good enough constitutional support system that 
would defend the Hawaiian monarchy as an institution. And so he died, and uh, and he also died childless, which was another problem that uh, there was. Uh, they'd had very bad luck with heirs towards the end as well. But uh, most definitely an interesting character, very colourful character. And um, if you go to Hawaii now, a lot of the stuff you'll see the Hawaiian monarchy is because of uh, because of him. Oh well, so why there is no Hawaiian monarchy now? Their estate. Uh, how how does the monarchy topple? What brings about top- the end of it? The monarchy topples because of that that um, militia unit again, and the set, m- much of the same suspects of the bayonet constitution colliding with the remarkable figure of the last monarch of Hawaii and her, and Hawaii's only reigning queen, Liliuokalani, who is David Kalakaua's sister. Just on the just just to be clear. Uh, although there's only one reigning queen of Hawaii, there were many queens who are mar- obviously many, many, uh, uh, what's the word, consorts. But that, you know, right at the beginning when we were talking about um, the the regent position, um, yeah. that is, that's called the Kuhina Nui. Um, and that, there were six of them. Actually, that became an institution uh, in eighteen in eighteen forty, um, and there were six of them, and four of them were, were women, mostly related in some way to the king. So that was just an interesting factoid I'd throw out there, just to, yeah. to say that uh, <laughs> there were there were there, there is a kind of woman uh, female ruler in in Hawaii throughout this time. It's just it, that position got abolished later on. Yeah, uh, and so we have this collision between Iliuklani and. And um, and these 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 businessmen and these militia folks, this bunch of this bunch of rebels, who are pretty much just wanting to take over Hawaii. They're actively now wanting to take Hawaii from the monarchy, and pretty much say, and then just shout over to um, the United States of America, please annex us, because we're really <laughs> really <laughs> pretty much that is the plan, and they are given this opportunity on a uh, on a silver platter because in the it, with the best of intentions for the survival of the monarchy and the sovereignty of Hawaii Liliuokalani decides she's going to to proclaim a new constitution in 1893 I think which would give a lot of power back to the monarchy in a way it would have reversed the idea of it being a constitutional monarchy in a way i believe but obviously that that just gave them the opportunity to stage a coup and so they that is what they used to overthrow her because she didn't have a great deal of um experience with government and so this very dangerous thing uh, was embarked upon and it 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 kind of it kind of took it, it kind of allowed them it just gave them the opportunity to overthrow the monarchy um the using again the honolulu rifles as their muscle they took over the street they formed what they called the committee of public safety which is never a good thing to form no. <laughs> <laughs> it implies that there's a need for such a thing and <laughs> yeah. that you can't take it for granted exactly uh, and they take over control of the strand they themselves form the Committee of Public Safety, which basically decide, basically says, um, we're going to take over control of the running of the place. They, they then ask, as I was saying, shouting to the, Amer- the Americans, there's a United States ship in the harbour. And 
they uh, they say, please come and defend the streets. The American population could be in danger. And so the U.S. Marines get sent in uh, to secure the, the the palace and all the major buildings and things like that. And that from there, there's 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 no going back. Really. Um, the monarchy is tried to be resuscitated a little by a royal guard by the name of Wilcox, who stages. Uh, who has already staged a, a try, tried to stage a rebellion in 1888. He 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 tries again uh, shortly after this the overthrow, as it's called. But unfortunately, it fails, and it implicates Liliuokalani, who has already had to abrogate power to the Committee of Safety, and um, they use that to try her, and they find her guilty of collusion, and she has to abdicate. Oh, and that's the mm-hmm. end of the Hawaiian that, monarchy. That is the end. That is the end. She she spends the rest of her life trying to get people to help her restore it because mm. it's outright illegal what has happened. Yeah. And the, but uh, but apparently the the United States didn't care and were just just rubbing their hands together and um, <laughs> at the prospect of making it a territory. I mean that's unfair. All right, mm. I'm I'm double checking myself because at first at first. The United States was a little cagey about actually just wading in there. But they do eventually. And they make it a territory and then a state, despite the pleas of poor Queen Liliuokalani and her, I think it's her niece, Kailani. And But sadly, nothing is done. Nothing can be done. Uh, nobody is able to return Hawaii to the Hawaiian monarchy. Oh, sad times. But thank you so much for coming on to share with us the story of the Hawaiian monarchy. We needed something like this from the Pacific, I feel. Um, and some, I did, so this is Polynesian history, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. it's brilliant. And I know we've butchered every name going, uh, <laughs> but we, it's because we've been determined to get the story out there. Absolutely. So uh, please don't hate on us too much. No, no. Instead, and if anybody wants to sponsor us to go to Hawaii to learn how to pronounce uh, the we, names <laughs> properly in situ, we will take that criticism on board. And like will, the we, troopers we are, we will go there. We will go. We will we suffer. Will go. We will suffer <laughs> a trip to Hawaii funded to, by someone else. Yes, to to make sure we 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 do a series of 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 uh, videos from Waikiki Beach <laughs> from yes. podcasts from Waikiki. Telling you about uh, the how to pronounce Hawaiian names. Yes, I think it's full. <laughs> sounds like a foolproof plan. Foolproof and obviously, whoever wants plan. to fund that, just get in touch via Twitter. Yes, yes, absolutely. We we we'll, we will be. We will. Yeah. We will bite your hand off like yeah, the completely. Yeah, <laughs> completely just uh, collaboration between Historyland and History Hack. Absolutely. Brilliant. That's what, that's what will happen. <laughs> Thanks so much, Josh. Uh, thank you very much for having me again, Alex. And tell everyone where they can see your History Land stuff. Uh, uh, on Twitter, it's at Land of History, uh, and online, it's adventuresinhistoryland.com, uh, also on YouTube. But if you find one, you'll find the others. So uh, be happy to see you if you stop by, especially with um, uh, Alfred to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Join us on Monday when Nicholas Terry will be with us to talk all about 1941 and the Holocaust. This was a big year in terms of the evolution of the final solution. So don't miss it because he's going to tell you what was going on and how we got to the horrific point where all the Nazis tried to enact the final solution.
don't forget you can become a patron of history hack for as little as a dollar a month just go to www.historyhack.podbean.com it will help us keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus and we would really appreciate it as we would love to do so here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.